microphone because it cut out halfway through the last episode, which it's never done before, so that's always a good sign. But episode 688 with Dr. David Weissman. Please introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and then we'll wing it. Okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me on your show. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you. And um, my name is uh, Dr. David Wiseman. I have a PhD. Uh, I have a background in uh, experimental pathology, pharmacology, pharmacy. I'm a pharmacist in the United Kingdom. I haven't practiced for many years. Um, I, I was a, uh, one of the top scientists at Johnson & Johnson uh, many years ago in the research fellow uh, there was about 66 of us at the time. I headed up uh, one of the programs in uh, internal scarring, or the program in internal scarring. I left there nearly 26 years ago and started my own R&D company, doing R&D for medical product development with, with medical companies, big and small, Johnson, Johnson, Genzyme, 3M, many companies that you might have heard of and a lot of companies you've never heard of and never will hear of. Um, I helped to set up a clinic uh, to look at the to diagnose and treat in an integrated manner people uh, the abdominal pelvic pain syndromes that uh, many people have and are very debilitating. Uh, set up a patient advocacy group, and um, that's that's been sort of most of my work for twenty six years. Uh, then COVID hit about two years ago, and uh, dropped basically everything and and. Now I'm here. So um, what I've done in COVID is a few things. First of all, um, we, I, with collaborators, including Pierre Corey and others, um, we reanalyzed some of the key data that was used to guide um, national decisions, specifically hydroxychloroquine. Uh, one of the studies uh, was published in June of 2020. Um, that was one of the key studies that closed down hydroxychloroquine. We obtained the raw data. We found that there were data missing. We obtained the missing data. And once we did that, we turned the study around. So we actually showed there was a 42% benefit of uh, a reduction in, um, in COVID when you used hydroxychloroquine in a post-exposure prophylaxis setting. New England Journal of Medicine didn't want to publish that. Uh, we might have been able to save hundreds of thousands of lives um, had, they, had they published that. So that was a key study. That's a very important study that, that was one of the two studies that closed down hydroxychloroquine. Similarly, with ivermectin, we looked at a study published last March, April in JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association. We got those data. And again, we showed, we, we found certain uh, issues with those, that study and showed a 56% reduction in, um, in COVID uh, with ivermectin. And then subsequent to that, been working on vaccines, vaccine safety, looking at what the full safety signals. Um, that's a long discussion. Uh, and specifically focused on what FDA and CDC are doing. So together with a number of different collaborators, we have made, I think it's up to about 13 different submissions to FDA or CDC um, meetings that have happened in the last several months on vaccine-related issues. Um, you know, inadequate studies, inadequate data, incorrect data, uh, failure to look at safety signals, a whole host of things. So that's that's sort of mostly what I've been doing. Um, now looking at vaccine injury, trying to help vaccine injury patients, and, um, you know, getting involved with the usual suspects uh, that you know. Um, and I was honoured to have been included in the um, Senate uh, meeting hosted by 
similar to Johnson last week um, in the uh, Russell building, um, which was which was called, I think, Second Opinion, COVID, a Second Opinion or something. I was one of the uh, ten, I think, uh, panel members on that on that uh, meeting. So um, that's it. <laughs> I don't think you can really say that's it. That's 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 a, a beautiful introduction. Um, so kind of just big picture, why is it that we're seeing the complete just throwing away of all prior safety precautions? I mean, I I, I mean, I get the answer because it's a pandemic, but I mean, from informed consent to you know phase one, two, and three clinical trials, and I, I get it, warp speed the pandemic, but now we're two years into it. Right. Those who are going to get the vaccine are going to get it. Those who aren't are not. We're already seeing its efficacy for what it is. It's more of a seems to be a self-protective therapeutic. And even that can be argued to only, you know, only the nth degree. As someone that has worked for Johnson and Johnson and has an expertise in all of this. Why are we seeing why are we seeing what we're seeing now? And I know that's asking you for the crystal ball and, you know, what is the meaning of life and how do I cure cancer? But why are we seeing what we're seeing now? And that's oh, those are the easy those are the oh. easy questions. Oh God, oh, God. I, I can answer those. Oh, I can answer <laughs> the meaning of life. I can't tell you anything about COVID. <laughs> but but it's that that's why I like to in, you know, interview so many different doctors, anesthesiologists, or pediatric or pediatricians, or Dr. Malone or McCullough, a, a cardiorenal physician, is because they all have these kind of different perspectives of what things look like. It's like when you're on street view of Google earth and you go on and you can see the 3d buildings and it's not perfect. And you can kind of tell when you change. And then like the perspective of the empire state building changes a little bit, the lighting changes and you realize what Google's doing is they're actually stitching together millions of photos that people have uploaded over the years at different times. So the lighting's different. Maybe it was rainy, maybe it wasn't, but you can get a better though imperfect better image of the Empire State Building as opposed to just a single 2D image. So what I try to do is interview all these professionals, whether it's lawyers or or medical professionals or pharmacists or biophysiologists or I've had on Dr. Aditi Bhargava, the head of mRNA research at UCSF, to just try to piece something together. And to me, the closest thing I can get to is that it is a – it is a – regardless of, of, of how it got, if it was a penguin and a bad, if it was signed in a lab, if it was released intentionally, if it was an accident, regardless, the closest I can get to is it's these huge corporations with fiduciary responsibilities taking advantage of a situation no different than defense contractors during Vietnam or the war on terror. And it is politicians no different than the Patriot Act right after 9-11 of seizing power and giving the government emergency powers, emergency, that never go away, which to me, it's pretty Occam's razor, the quest for money and the quest for power. But to to put you on the hot spot and throw it back to you, what in your expertise have you seen that would maybe add to that model or chip away at it and say, Tommy, that's actually not what, all, what is going on at all? I have no agenda. I just want to know what this three-dimensional image is if that makes right. any sense and, uh, that's that's a very good question and i think you you phrased it very well um of course you've heard every theory going i'm, I'm sure yeah. as, as have i um and i and i really stay away from all those sorts of 
you know, theories. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I can only deal with what I can see directly and what's in my direct experience. Yes. So if someone tells me there's little green men coming from Mars that are that are running the government, um, and and you know, and that's what's going on here. You know, I, I, it's it's way above my pay grade. I have yeah. no way of verifying that. Yeah. Um, but but what I but I th- I think I think it comes down. To, you don't have to go to little green men in Mars. Or, or it's very simple. You have drug companies. That, that any company wants to make money, okay, that's understandable. Um, and and secondly, you, you know, you had a had a perfect storm in two years ago, you know, when it all started of not only the, you know, the, the pandemic issue that happened, but you had a very um, contentious political climate in the United States. And regardless of whether you whether you know you're a Trump supporter, or a Biden supporter, or whatever supporter you are, okay, and, and that's and I'm not, you know, I, I don't get into my politics that's irrelevant but but you have to admit that that but it was a highly contentious um political environment with an election year coming up so so you had a perfect storm of lots of things that were going on um and and that only made made things worse so on top of that you have uh what, what i felt what i said i mean i remember saying it clearly you know two years ago first of all the whole way that the pandemic was being uh, discussed and talked about. I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it ju- it just just didn't feel right. It just it just didn't seem right. And I was. I mean, I'm in favour of conventional vaccines. You know, I was I was sceptical about hydroxychloroquine. You know, so I wasn't jumping into any of the, you know those areas. I, I was just like everyone else. Like, well, what are we doing? We're going to close down for a couple of weeks. Then it was more. Then it was more weeks. Then it was more weeks. And and we're still here, really. So, so but I don't. I did feel at the beginning that that, that something was very strange about how it was all being handled that was the first thing the second thing that i i said to myself and others very early on like march let's say 2020 was it seemed that there were there were lots of t- different turf battles going on and people were trying to get get to get get their little piece of the pie and one turf battle for example was between different groups of doctors because you had different different specialties within medicine trying to assert themselves as to who owns the, the, the pandemic. By owns, I mean who's going to be in charge of it. So was it the infectious disease doctors? Was it the critical care doctors? Was it the uh, epidemiologists? You know, you can go down the list of different kinds of doctors. And this happens all the time, this. And I mean, you have different fights between different, you know, uh, specialties as to who who's in the hospital, you know, who's in charge of this kind of thing, who's in charge of that kind of thing. So it's not a new phenomenon. Okay, but but it was of course magnified. So so you had a perfect storm. You had an election year. You, you had obviously you had, you had uh, the, uh, the, the impeachment, you know, proceedings. Um, you know, whether you, whoever you love, whether whoever you hate, you had to admit that that was going on. So so I think I think I think we just have to acknowledge that. And and now the problem is that I think people have. Well, that was two years ago. So now the problem is people have committed themselves to a certain. Um, line of reasoning in other words line of reasoning might be vaccines are the only thing that's going to work and they can't retreat from that position or hydroxychloroquine is not going to work okay we, we can't retreat from that position so they they dug all their holes in they dug all their holes and they can't get out of the holes or they've climbed up on the tree they can't come down from the tree and and and, and things change i mean legitimately things change you know we have we, we have our best guess at a certain point and then, and then we get more data, and then we have to modify it. But I, I don't think people have been willing to to retreat from those positions, and it's going to be very difficult for them to do so. So, 
I don't have a very good solution for you, but I, I, that's my perspective of, of, of what's going on. Um, and it's terrible. But the, the good news is a couple of things. The good news is you do have a, you know, across the board bipartisan or multipartisan kind of approach, as in the, the meeting last week with, with uh, Senator Johnson. He's a Republican. Everyone knows that. But you had on the committee, uh, on, the, uh, on the panel, um, 10 different do doctors and, and scientists, and, and, and I don't, I'm not going to mention names because I don't know who, who wants to have their name mentioned, but, but I can tell you a number of them um, are, you know, some people have come out and s said certain things explicitly, but a number of them have said, listen, I've been a Democrat all my life. You know, I support a Democrat party, but I'm not so sure now. Um, other people, you know, so, so you, have that, you have that group of people. Um, not that the Republicans are doing so much better because you have Senator Johnson and Senator Paul really the only, I think, the only Republican, you know, senators who are sort of, you know, questioning everything. Um, so pretty much, you know, the Republican Party has sort of fallen in line with whatever everyone else has said. So, so this is really not a party political issue. Uh, and you see this in other countries. I mean, other countries you see you know, left and right wings of whatever countries are, they're all basically falling in similar line. There's a, there are a few people across parties, across political the spectrum who are, who are questioning it. So, but, it, but it's at least good that there is a cross-party, you know, effort. This is not a Republican effort. This is not a Democrat effort. It's a cross-party effort. That's good news. The second good news is what, what you mentioned earlier about different perspectives. You said you like to interview different kinds of people. <clears throat> and, and I think... For me, one of the very refreshing parts of this, I mean, it, I mean it's a terrible situation, but the, the, a positive part of this is that so many people have jumped into the ring, whether they are med doctors, medical scientists like myself and Malone and McCullough, who you'd expect to be in this story. But within medicine, you've got lots of different specialties who wouldn't normally be in this story. That's number one. Number two, you've got other people from completely different disciplines, engineers, lawyers, uh, people from finance, people from economics, uh, all all different kinds of backgrounds, and and yes, they don't. There's a lot of science and a lot of medicine that they don't know, but there's a, but they ask, I'll say, stupid questions, but they're good. There's no such thing as a stupid question, and you need to have people challenge you and say, you know, well, why does you know why does it have to be this way, or why does this thing work that way? And and you know, I've never had to explain that to someone who doesn't know the basis. But when, but when I'm forced to try and explain certain things to an engineer, you know, a mechanical engineer or a, or a healthy or a, or, a, or a Wall Street, you know, a quant person or whatever, I'm forced to really think about it. And that's really good. And they ask very good questions that, that force us to get to an answer. The second thing they bring to the party, which is extremely valuable, is that in all those other disciplines, they have their own particular methods of analysis and methods of inquiry, um, which... You know, in the biomedical field, we we've never seen before. We've not we're not used to seeing a certain type of statistical analysis or whatever. Okay, because it's just, you know for whatever reason, and they come in and say, well, you know, our field we use this kind of method of analysis, <clears throat> and, and I'm looking and I said, well, that's really that's really neat. You know, let's let's try and use that method and adapt it to you know what we're doing. So so there's been a lot of very very good cross fertilization of of ideas, uh, which I think is really which was really encouraging. So. You know, hopefully that's all going to continue and we're going to get out of this. So I don't know if that's a good answer or...
That's my answer. <laughs> There's no such thing as a good answer on this podcast. <clears throat> I scream and ramble about everything and never connect anything. And then by the time anyone realizes that I didn't give an answer, the podcast is over. So maybe I should run for political office and I could do the same thing. But no, I think that's a good point. And I also think it's a good thing to the people asking about it that are forcing you to answer it, right? Was it Einstein? If you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it well enough. Right, and right. That's what I loved about I was I was a biology major in college. I loved organic chemistry, I loved physiology, I loved cellular biology because to me I knew I understood it when I could make a simple example of it. Like that's a good that's like, a very good uh, test. Like yeah, like passive diffusion versus active diffusion and membranes and I would be like this is like just going into a party and no one cares whereas active diffusion is like there's a bouncer outside of a bar and if you have a hot girl they'll let you in but if it's just a bunch of guys they won't let you in and I could just find these simple lowbrow examples but they yeah. made me and that's what helped other people would love my study guides because I would try to boil it down to that, which as a side note, I have yet to ever have someone explain cryptocurrency to me simply, which to me says no one understands it. I, I am, I'm waiting for that moment. I'm yeah, waiting for that I moment. will wait when someone can sit me down and explain it as the birds and the bees, but it's always this, but that's neither here nor there. That's I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to give the challenge. I'm going to mention his name. All right. If he's watching, I'm going, to, I'm going to lay the challenge down to the person who I think if anyone can do it, he'll do it. It's Matthew Crawford. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he writes a very good Substack, and uh, you know he was on Wall Street and he's into cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and he and he writes a very nice Substack, uh, different kinds of articles. And I think if anyone can explain it, Matthew. So if you're watching Matthew, here's your challenge. I've never heard. I've never heard Tim Dillon, the comedian, asked Lex Friedman, uh, who's a great podcaster, a couple weeks ago. And even Lex, who's like a brilliant MIT like mathematician, he was kind of word babbling for like five or six minutes. And I was like, no one knows. This whole thing's BS. It's all a house of cards. But on that note, it's probably good when you have engineers or Wall Street executives asking you, so why is this going on? Because you have to go back in and explain it, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like the child asking you something. You know, like why are people mean? And you kind of pause and you're like, well, you know, are they born mean? Well, you're like, well, no, some people have bad things happen to them in life and they become bitter and it makes you re-examine it. So are there any examples of that you can give me of where people have asked you to explain things and that re-examination has perhaps within your own 3D image, sort of like a meta scale down, has it made you re-examine it? Like if someone asked me, Tommy, why are you doing podcasting? I don't know. It's fun. I get to talk to people. What's much deeper? Well, I was miserable for a long time. I got into medical school, realized I didn't want to be a doctor. I did a lot of soul searching. I lost a brother to suicide in 2014. I was doing a lot of drugs. I gained a lot of weight. I moved home. I wanted to find a way to make money. I worked at a liquor store. I was miserable. Now I enjoy doing what I like to do, making money. You can dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And I guess if you really want to, you could probably surgically go back and next thing you know, I'd be talking about my childhood. What what questions from individuals and what modes of self-examination have you maybe relearned it yourself where you go back to that biology study guide? Well, that's a really, wow, that's a really 
good question. Wow. Now you're here with now you're here <laughs> with that. First of all, that question is the that, that's on the list. All what right. you just thought of me is on the list. All right. That's on the list. All right. Well, hey, you're here with you're here with therapist Tommy and you are on the you are on the how clock. Much, how much are you gonna charge me? Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get well I, I charge in crypto, so we'll get to that later. <laughs> but ha, but has there been anything where you had to I I, I pay in crypto. <laughs> It's uh, we'll talk about that later. But has there has there been anything you know, some an athlete, um, uh, a pilot? Do you have to put it in terms that maybe you have had that moment where you pause and you go, oh, and you you have that moment yourself? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's different kinds of moments in that in that in that category. So, um. Yeah, I have had people saying, "Why are you doing this?" That, 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 if that's one of your questions. Sure. So, so I, I have, uh, you know, we had a, a freeze here in Texas about a year ago, almost the day, and we're still cleaning up from it. And there's going to be another freeze tomorrow. So, uh, so, so the, the the guy who's like the, the contractor has been helping us. Uh, you know, he sees what I'm doing and he says, "Why are you doing this?" You know, you need to go to work and earn some money. And uh, why, why are you doing this? So. So that's a that's a you know that's a really legitimate question, and so uh, I guess you want the answer. Why are we doing it? So the the answer that I'm trying to give people in a very simple way is because this is probably the single most important medical problem that um, that has existed on the planet in the, in the history of mankind, and um, it has all kinds of ramifications. And if we don't do something now, you know. We could be in big trouble, um, and give examples that in the, of, of things that have inspired me. You know, in my life, of people who have stood up at different times. <clears throat> you know, in wars, in Holocausts, in uh, whatever w- w- Soviet Union, whatever, and um, and different people have been my heroes over the many years, and and so. I recognize that I'm in, I think, I don't think it's an exaggeration, so I'm in somewhat of an equivalent situation, somewhat. You know, obviously there's, you can't draw exact parallels, but in terms of the magnitude of this. And so, um, you know, the essence of your life is that you have a responsibility. And, 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 and when the time comes, you've got to step up to the plate and you can't shirk that responsibility. And so I... I rightly or wrongly estimated this is such a moment and I have to step up to the plate and and that's it. You know, whether I'm alone or whether I'm with McCulloch and Malone and uh, Harvey Rich and all the people that you know or whether I'm with none of them. I, I, if I was the only one, I'd have to stand up and do it. That's my responsibility as a, as a human being. I'm, I'm Jewish. It's my responsibility under, you know, our beliefs of the Torah and so on. But but any human being has has this, has has that responsibility. So I think that's that's a very simple answer that tries to answer a very complicated question. But that, that's what it boils down to. You know, we don't have rights; we only have responsibilities. If we took up, we someone told once told me, very senior person at Johnson and Johnson, as a matter of fact, um, many years ago, said, you know, people worried about their responsibilities, the rights would take care of themselves. So that's answer number one. Um, and then and then and then sort of leading on from there would be more sort of smaller kind of 
sections of answers, which which is in terms of people asking you questions. Um, you know, now more than ever, I have to try and condense very large amounts of very complicated scientific ideas into very short kind of ideas, as you as you described a moment ago. <clears throat> and uh, and I'm trying to force other people to do the same thing. So, for example, um, working with a certain person who came up with a very, very brilliant analysis, and he wrote a very excellent paper, but but no one can understand it. I say, you've got to, you've got to get this down to five bullet points, two lines of bullet point, and they've got to be really crystal clear in simple language. And then and then what we've been trying to do is take that concept that he was talking about and, and, and show it on on, a, on, a, on slides, on a PowerPoint slides, in a very few PowerPoint slides, in a very easy graphic fashion. So, you know, this COVID is extremely complicated, scientifically, extremely. It's complicated by all the BS that's going on around it, but scientifically it's extremely complicated. And so we have to try and condense those things and... and um, I'm, I'm working with another very excellent scientist, Dr. Herbie Seligman, um, who, in my opinion, has done some of the finest analyses of this whole uh, pandemic. And, um, and, and you know, we were bashing around some numbers yesterday and some graphs and some tables. And, um, and um, I said, look, we're, we're struggling to, to, to describe it to ourselves, what's going on here. Intuitively, you know, I can look at a graph, I can look at numbers, and intuitively I know what's going on. But now I've got to be able to explain that to the world in very, very simple numbers. And I, we, we were discussing on this particular analysis how many weeks it took to go from 10 sentences down to one sentence to be able to make it refine, refine, refine the message. So, so there's a lot of that going on, um, and it's a real challenge with that <clears throat> that condensation of ideas it's uh it's like writing your personal statement for medical school you write it all out why you want to be a doctor and it's like oh let me tell you why i want to be a doctor and you go into this and that and i love the science and i want to help people and you can wishy-washy and it's all flowery and excessive and fluffy and then they tell you they're like 1500 words max and you're like well, right you're like well mine's eleven thousand. you had 1500 yeah. well i can't i can't cut out half of it that's half the story don't cut out right. any of the story. Make it fit. And you never think you can make it fit until you can. Until you can, and you chop it all down and now you're down to 5,000 now you're down to 25 right. and now you're down to 12 and you find yourself removing this, that, and the other thing. And it's incredible because you get to the end and you told the same story. And, yeah. and you have to so, – so what's the motive for that? Why would you do that? If you just told me to write a story and then condense it, you'd be like, screw off, dude. I, I, I got a podcast. I, I got to run. No, but you've got to, you've got to, listen, people have got such a small attention span, you know, you, you, you know, they can only think in terms of tweet length, you know, sentences and so on. Well, and, and that's the reality. It's terrible. But that's, that's the reality. Well, that's what I wanted to get at was if you just asked me to do that with anything, I'd be like, dude, I don't have the time to do it. Why else would I spend 20 hours on a week editing a paper? Well, it's because I wanted to get into medical school. So there was big value for me to get that done. So to me, that is what makes me think is why you're taking all of this information and doing this is because you're not just teaching a course. 
you you truly believe that this is what you're standing up for. This is what you're right. doing. And right. you said earlier, you know, to draw analogies, I don't think it's absurd at all. I don't think it's an exaggeration at all. Look at, you know, I don't think the world is flat. I don't think the sun revolves around us. Joseph Lister, the, the antiseptic technique using carboxylic acid to clean wounds, time and time again, we've seen people ostracized and thrown as outcasts knowing that they were doing the right thing. I know if I get people to accept that we need to clean wounds with alcohol, that this is going to greatly increase lifespans, or that woman who is against the, the, the rollout of thalidomide, which led to the flipper babies. You have to know what you stand for, and you also have to... the FDA uh, lady. Yeah, 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 I think it was under JFK. But you look at it, and... Yeah, it can it can be exaggerating to feel you know you draw these analogies. I don't mean you, right. I mean you at home, right. myself. I do it as well. I'm like, well, what would you know X, Y, and Z happen? But you look at it and you have to know what you stand for. And if you read any amount of history, just even the most cursory level, you look at it, you know where this goes every time. Every time you start censoring speech, every time you start otherizing people. Every time you try to separate people from being able to interact with society, right. there right. is no amount of exaggeration. There is no amount of making fun of me that you can make me think otherwise. Every time in human history, this leads to mountains of bodies. Sometimes it right. takes a year. Sometimes it takes 50. This is where it always goes. So when you see these things happening, it is your moral imperative to stand up and talk about it. It's right. I love this podcast. I love talking to friends about stupid stuff, UFOs, or, you know, I have on guys that have been in nuclear submarines and Delta Force snipers and all this cool stuff. I never set out to make this a COVID podcast. Like that guy asking you, why do you do this? Why not go out and make money? Why am I doing three COVID podcasts a day? McCullough sends me 10 guests and I want them done in three days because I know what's going on. And if you can't see the writing on the wall, that's not my fault. But I know what I stand for, and I know what I'm looking at. And if you don't see it by now, I, I don't know what else to tell you. But it's wrapping, it's it's like an anaconda kind of wrapping itself around the world. And it's still happening very slowly. And it's happening slowly enough that we can still take the sword and, you know, cut its belly open. But right. if we don't right. do it, we're all going to be suffocating. And God, God willing, we somehow get out of it on the other end in 80 years, just like 80 years ago is 1942, in 80 years, or, you know, I guess 77 would be 45, our grandkids are going to be saying, how did that happen? And then they're also going to be saying never again. So to me, it's like, why? And, and they're also going to be saying, and they're also going to be saying, what did my grandfather do? Yeah. And, and so I'm very conscious, uh, you know, knowing what my family did and so on and so forth, you know, in their own way, they did their, whatever it was, but but I I I, uh, I mean I don't know if this is sort of selfish or egotistical to say or whatever, but I think but I think um, you know we have to say here's a moment. Um, did you you know will my grandchild or great grandchild please God say this is what my grandfather did? You know when when that big event happened seventy years ago, eighty years ago, this is what my grandfather did. And and, um, and and that sort of inspiration has to carry through the generations because I hope it never happens again, but there's a good chance it will happen in 100 years or 150 years, and people have to have those role models. So in my little way, you know, my, I'm doing my little thing, you know, uh, you know, in my little way, I, I hope it's contributing. And, um, 
you know, the um, I, I have a quote from the Babylonian Talmud, which I which I read to people. I'm not going to do it in Hebrew, but I'll tell you in English what it is. Um, and it says, whoever has <clears throat> whoever has the ability to protest against the sins of his household and doesn't do so is punished for the sins of his household. Whoever has the ability to protest against the sins of his city but doesn't do so is punished for the sins of his city. And whoever has the ability to protest against the sins of the whole world and fails to do so is punished for the sins of the whole world. Um, that those are the those are the words. I mean, but you can extend it to mean sins, wrongs, whatever whatever word you want to insert there. And and you know, if I have a responsibility, to, you know, to an, an ability to communicate uh, and to understand these complex ideas, in you know, in collaboration with many very fine people, then then it's my responsibility to do it. And so, all those people who stood up in the Holocaust and uh, and other types of events like that. Um, you know, they're my inspiration. Uh, by the way, I mean, a number of years ago, I was in Poland, and I I came across a man, a Polish man that uh, that that he he claimed he he helped to save Jewish people, you know, from from going to Treblinka. And through a whole long story, I was able to trace um, one of the people that he did save, and they confirmed his story. You know, yes, it's true. He did this and this and this, and everything's true. And um, so I said, "Wow, um, let's let's make sure he gets recognised." So I worked with this this lady. She's since deceased, but we became very close friends. And uh, and we submitted it to the, uh, the you know the Holocaust um, Memorial uh, Center in Jerusalem, Yad Vashem, and uh, and this man was recognised. And 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 so. You know, he's an inspiration. He should be an inspiration to many people. You have Anatoly Sharansky, mm. who, if I don't know if you know that name, you know that name? I've heard it. He was in the 1970s, there were the, the, the Soviet Union was clamping down on, on, um, on uh, Jewish people who wanted to emigrate or to practice their religion and, and, to, and to emigrate to go to Israel. And, uh, and there were a number of these so called refuseniks who protested in different ways and and some of them were able to get into the western press in different ways and one of the de facto leaders was this guy called Anatoly Sharansky and he eventually was arrested and then you know a few late, years later under I think the Ronald Reagan government he was released within a, in a spy swap kind of uh, he wasn't a spy but he was released in a in a, in a spy swap type of uh, arrangement and um you know, and and you know, you hear his stories how he how he just kept firm, and uh, you know, we would, you know, I recall going on demonstrations and so on and so forth, and I know many people did many many things much more than I did, but these are these are all role models, these are all heroes, and so and so we have the, it's our moment, we have to stand up, and you know, I, I could never be an Anaso Saransky or a, or a Kaz, Milobetsky or Kazmiris, or maybe I can. And we don't know what we, we don't know what anyone's capable of. These are, these were just ordinary people minding their own business, but their moment came to do something, and they did it. And so, um, you know, the question that that I've asked myself in, in a different context, but I think applies to this context, is, you know, on the one hand, people can say, well, what's the consequences if I stand up and if I speak out? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to, you know, blah, 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 lose all kinds of things. And 
And that's the that's the calculation that, that's in everyone's mind. Now, I can't put myself in everyone's individual shoes, and I wouldn't presume to, but but if that's the only question you ask yourself, then you then then you're not then you're not asking the right question, because the question should not solely be, what is the risk? What is what is the consequence if I do this? If I speak up about what you feel is wrong, that's not the only question. Perhaps the more important question is, what is the consequence if I don't do something? Right, and 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 and, and I had a certain incident. I'm not going to go into details as to what that was but it was quite a big incident in my life when 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 that sort of thing happened and the moment I realized I was asking the wrong question and um said you know I got what's the consequences if I don't do this particular thing and immediately and it was one of those things I had to act like right then and there it wasn't you know I didn't have any it was like right then I had to make the choice right right now and and the moment I I um realized that the, what, what the correct question was and the, the answer to which was, I will regret this for the rest of my life that I had the opportunity to do something about this particular thing and I failed to take it. The moment I asked myself that question, all of a sudden I had, I, I, it was, it was, I mean, it was quite unbelievable. I, you know, I had this sort of clarity of vision. It was like there was a white light that went all the way from here to eternity. And, 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 and then I had to stand up and speak in front of a certain audience and, and and just the words came out and they were and they were perfect and it wasn't I, I hadn't written them down I hadn't practiced them I hadn't done anything but it just came out and 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 eventually the, it turned out the thing turned out the right way it had a good ending um, but that's the point I think everyone has to and this is so important there's so many people who are bystanders in this story who you know if anyone's listening to your to this conversation that we're having. And saying, well, you know, either you're you're either someone who really is on particular, you, you know, you were so committed to, to the to the narrative, you know, there's no other way. Okay, I'm sorry, that's that's your opinion. There are people who, you know, who me and McCulloch and so on and so forth who have our sort of group of opinions, and then there's a lot of people in the middle who sort of know there's some, know there's a problem here, but for whatever reason they they can't they can't act. Or they won't act. Now, some people are, don't do not have the ability to act, and I'm not again. I'm not putting myself in their shoes, but but there are many people who do do have the opportunity to act, and and so I think if if there's one message, if you just edit this one thing of how long we're going to talk about this, your eleven thousand words, and get it into a few words, I think the one thing that I would say to anyone watching this is please examine the facts. You know what's really going on. If you really think different from me, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But I suspect there are many people who suspect there's, there's a problem here. You have the moral duty to investigate it. You have the moral duty to do something about it within the limits of your sphere of influence. Okay? And, and you have to ask yourself, okay, don't ask yourself what is the consequences of if I do take a certain action. No, the question that you need to ask yourself is, what is the consequences if you don't do something? And the answer will be, and it has to be, you will regret this for the rest of your life, that you had the, you had the possibility, the opportunity to, to, to play a role in this story, and you failed to take it. If, if you're okay living with that, that's fine. Okay, but, but, but ask yourself the question. 
Maya Angelou, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story. And that quote's always stuck with me. And I think about, I think it's important what you said of within your own sphere of influence. What can I do? I didn't invent the mRNA vaccine. I can't go on Joe Rogan. No, but I've got a podcast and I can talk to people. Well, what about someone listening that hasn't even share it? Talk to someone else about it. Bring it up. Bring it up in polite conversation. And I've said the same thing at the end of God knows how many podcasts, but it's been this. You know what's right in your heart. Like, you know what's right. Maybe you don't know the molecular equation and maybe you can't quantify it. And maybe you don't have a PhD. You know what's right. And if you, and if you're doing what you know is right, then who am I to tell you otherwise? You, something's going on that is very not right. And it's okay to be scared. I'd be lying through my teeth if I said I wasn't scared. It's, it's, that's what is courage is, is, is to be able to still act when, when fearful. You know something's going on. It's not right to shut people down. It's not right to exclude people from society and to otherize them and to belittle them and to have government officials say, Yo, you're, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated and to call them out and to banish them from social media. It's, it's not right. You know it's not right. You, you, know it's, you know growing up to not be a bully, to not pick on the kid. You know that. And you really, that's really all you need to know. And I think about what you're saying is not just, you know, what happens if I do it? Okay, maybe I'll lose my job. Or maybe you look at it from the other way. You're like, maybe I'll be a hero. It's that ego stroking. But there's the other thing. And it's what you said. What happens if you don't do it? And it makes me think of, I've interviewed him several times. He's, several times. He's an author named Norman Oler, who wrote a book called Blitzed. And it's about drugs in the Third Reich. Completely irrelevant to this conversation. Fantastic book. Nazis were insane. They were on a lot of drugs. But he wrote another book called The Bohemians, and it was about a it was about a Jewish um, uh, resistance cell. It was just like a guy, his girlfriend, and a couple other guys. But I only remember one name, and it was Haho Shoots a Boysen. And it's a whole story about what he did to fight back. And he didn't want to fight back, and he didn't want to fight back. And finally, him and his friend were like arrested, and they were forced to run laps all night. And one of the and his friend had like a heart attack. And so the Nazis, I think they came up and like shot him and then they took Haho and they branded him with a swastika and they were like, we're going to kill you or you can join the SS. And Haho was in his mind. He was like, I want to flee. And then he was like, I just want to kill these guys. And then he thought, you know, because his girlfriend was really well to do, like he absolutely could have fled to the United States. But instead, he joined the SS and then he joined the Luftwaffe and he rose through the ranks and he was an inside man for years. And he would get prisoners released. He would botch things. He would sabotage things. This is a true, this is a true story? Yep, The Bohemians by Norman Oler. It's about Haho okay. ha- shoots a boy. Total badass. And what's the happy ending? There wasn't one. Eventually they found out and him and his, him and his, uh, his conspirators were all executed like a year before the war ended. But they did this. They went so they went James Bond hardcore. They're inside. They'd be interrogating Jewish prisoners and they'd give them a cigarette. And inside it would be like it would say like friendly, like, you know, written in Hebrew or something. Just totally hardcore. That's a guy who, by all accounts, was a handsome guy, was a brilliant guy, had the world at his fingertips. But he would say, I have to do this because there's if I don't do this, 
No amount of life will ever be worth it. I could become a billionaire and live in the United States or run away with my wife. I will always think about how I didn't act. And Norman Oler opens the book with a story. And Norman, Norman's not Jewish. He, he's, he lives in Berlin. He's German. He's as German as the day is long. He opens the book with a story about his grandfather. And his grandfather telling him a story when he was a kid, when Norman was a kid, about how he worked at uh, like, a, like a railroad switching station. And they always did like livestock. For just for years. That's all what he did. This is what he did every day. And one day, and it was snowing, and one day, like, a rail car came along, and he noticed, like, little hands sticking out just to get snow on their hands. So they could, he saw people kind of, you know, biting the snow on their hands. They were trying to get any sort of moisture they could. They were dehydrated. And, like, whenever, like, a rail car would switch, you'd have to come up and, you know, give them the papers. What is it? Is it apples? Is it sheep? Whatever. And, like, a German guy came out and was like, you know, basically like, this is, you know, this is cattle. And he was like, you know, like, what kind of cattle? Something, I don't remember what it was. He, but he said it was something. That it clearly wasn't. And he knew that, like, he could have done something. If he made an act, he probably would have been shot. Maybe he could have misled him. Maybe he could have said, hey, the railroad's messed up today. But instead he said, yes, it's cattle. And he signed the thing. And the car went on its way. Not one car, cars and cars and cars. And he was telling Norman this story decades later when Norman was just a little kid about how that happened and how he was complicit in that and how he never forgave himself. And he was hoping to find peace by telling little Norman this. And instead, Norman says that was the last time he ever talked to his grandfather because he was so disgusted at his cowardice, he wanted nothing to do with it. So not only did this guy regret it for decades, he tried to open up to his grandson, and his grandson was even disgusted by his own disgust. So that's my logic is like it's not what's in it for me or how bad how bad will we be reprimanded. To me, it's like it's not even about doing it. It's if I don't do it, I think I will implode into a black hole out of self-hatred. So that's that's why I'm with you is it's – not what will happen. Will I get banned from YouTube? Will my friends stop talking to me? Will I get made fun of on social media for being a COVID conspiracy theorist? Yes, yes, and yes. All already happened. But what do I know? I'm like, hey, I don't know if this is going to work out. The bad guys might win. There might not be a happy ending. There might not be a VE day and a VJ day. But ultimately, Haho shoots a poison, and it takes a lot of arrogance to try to compare ourselves to them. And that's not what I'm trying to do. These guys fought right, little right, odds. Right, right. You and I are doing an interview on, a, on an iMac, right? Let's not try to put our own capes on. But he, he didn't see the result of his actions. He knew it had, a, he knew it had help. He knew that he was, he was getting Jewish prisoners released. But, and I just said this in the last podcast, it's like what Dr. Keith Rose said. Dr. Keith Rose was special forces in Iraq, got blown up by an IED, came back, became a physician, um, and now he has his own pod. Just brilliant guy. And I remember, I remember him telling me, I think, I think McCullough introduced me, doesn't matter. I remember him telling me that sacrifice isn't always transactional. And if it is transactional, it's not always instant. So it's not just if you be the ha-ho shoots a poison and you do the thing, you're going to get rewarded. No, it, as far, you know, let's say there's no afterlife. As far as Haho Shoots a Poison knows, life ended. It all went black when he got hung in 1944. He might have died going, did I really move the needle at all? But he did because he was part of just one resistance cell, which, ele- which 
factually led to, amongst the Soviet Union and the Allies, collapsing the Third Reich. You don't always see that. Not my grandfather. He couldn't because he had like bad eyesight, asthma and everything, and he hated it. But his brother was 18 years old on Omaha Beach on June 6, 1944. He survived. He lived, he lived until up at like, I think maybe five years ago. FBI, kids, grandkids, the whole thing. He got to see the reward for his sacrifice. We beat the Nazis. We beat the Japanese. We came on home. There are a lot of guys that on D-Day, that, that gate opened and a bullet went right through their head. They never got to, maybe they got to psych themselves up. They're going, I'm, I'm deploying. I'm going to protect my home. But they didn't necessarily get to see the trophy. So like, 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 like a Van Gogh that can, he, he, he never got to just get the riches. There was no, he's Kanye West. No, it's, it's way after he's dead that he becomes the best. So that's, that's my logic is it doesn't even matter. I'd love to, I'd love to see the day that we win and that we break this tyranny and, you know, it's love and happiness and utopia. And we enter another golden age, like the fifties and sixties, it might all collapse horrifically and, uh, and we'll die and we'll be killed. We probably will because I've interviewed Malone and McCullough and now you. We're definitely on the shit list. But I don't care because I don't know if it's transactional or not. I'm at peace knowing I'm doing the right thing. And more importantly, I don't even have to contemplate the reality where I'm not doing the right thing. Where I would just be sitting there until I'm 80 and then telling my grandkid, you know, I could have done something. I had I had a pod. It was small. But, you know, I could have at least, I, I was friends with McCullough. I mean, you know, I probably could have done something. But, you know, I didn't want to get banned. And, you know, a lot of people were making fun of me. So instead, I just reviewed Game Boys. And then the grandson walks away from you. To me, I'd rather walk headfirst into the fire with little to no chance of survival. But at least, and as you said in the opening minutes, whether I've got an army of guys to my left and right, or whether it's me just walking to my death, or just being outcast from society. It's fine. I, I know what I'm doing. Is it is it scary at times? Sure. Do I get scared shitless at times? Sure. You know, Joe Rogan has ex-Navy SEALs as security. I've got a deadbolt. But it's okay. Because it's okay. I'm at peace with it. Sorry for that ramble. All right. <laughs> So now what? <laughs> now what? Now we've sold. Now we've sold everything. <laughs> I think we have to keep doing what we're doing. I think it's very slow, right? I mean, we can go on this big thing about how we're doing the right thing, and then we just kind of yeah. Anyway, but we have to keep doing what you're doing, guys like you, guys like McCullough, guys like Malone. Whether it's my podcast or whether it's a giant podcast like Joe Rogan, as you said, we have to act within our own means and in our own spheres of influence. Mm-hmm. Are you and I moving the needle today with this podcast? We are. How much are we moving it? I, I don't know. I don't know. It may, you may get the scale and you add one grain of salt. You might have to go out to 10, 11 decimal places. But again, to, to quote you from 30 minutes ago, you have to do what you can with your own means, within your own sphere of influence. You have to talk about all of these different reasons. And maybe you have to explain why as your expertise as a scientist or maybe you have to go into explanations of, of why you're doing the right thing. Or maybe you have to make it fun. Maybe you have to say it's fun to be on the side that isn't allowed to talk, right? It feels like punk rock. 
there are all these different explanations. So I can, you know, I can say it's because of the right thing. I can, I can quote Norman Oler and Ha Ho Shoots a Boysen. Or I can just say, I don't like being told what to do. I can just say, this is medically wrong. You should have your own choice. I can go to VAERS data. There are all these different tools you can use. What tools do I have? A camera, a microphone, and uh, an inability to stop talking. So I think to answer that, now what is we do this. We talk, you did your thing, testified, and you keep doing it. Even if you're exhausted, you keep doing it and you go on podcasts, big and small, and you talk about what's going on to help push the needle. Is it a whole lot? No. Is it enough that I won't feel like I never did anything? It certainly is. So I don't know. How do you and I fix it? I don't know. I think I'm doing as much as I can. And if I'm not, I'm going to try to do more. But I'm going to I'm going to throw it to you now because I just talked for like 10 minutes straight. What do you want me? <laughs> I don't know, man. You, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think, I think, uh, okay. So now we're going to, now we're going to roll up the sleeves and say, okay, now what is it we're going to do? What does, what does the solution look like and how, how we're going to get there? And, you know, it's, 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 it's great to have podcasts. People need to hear this sort of stuff, but you know, what, what are, what are the steps that people could do and what they've got to really ask questions of their politicians and their representatives in Congress and the Senate. Um, you know, we practically, you know, we're, a year into the uh, into the Biden administration, people are already um, looking towards you know midterms and the, the, the next presidential election, and um, I think if you want change, people have got to start thinking about how they're going to get change. And so, uh, people should be asking their senators, their representatives, "Did you vote in favor of the mandates?" You know, if people want to take a vaccine. Out of the you know, out of full informed consent, um, because they think it's the right thing, that's up to them. I mean, I, as long as they've been given, given they've been given all the information, but to have it mandated in the way that it is going on is you know violates a lot of things as you've described. So so I think I think people are going to that 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 probably will be a central issue that people are going to ask their candidates where did you vote on this where did you stand up on this because frankly if someone wants to make a point oh i'm all for the environment or i'm all for free trade or i'm all for um you know a free universal health care or college tuition or whatever the issue whatever the issues whatever whichever side you you stand on any of those issues okay it, it, it's it's all meaningless unless you know unless the fundamental aspect of we have a we should be having a democracy we have a constitution and democracy and so on that we're supposed to have uh the fundamental question i think is going to be mr mr or ms uh, senator candidate or representative candidate candidate or mayor candidate or governor candidate whatever whoever you're going to be voting for is where did you stand up on the where did you stand on the issue of democracy as it as, as it relates to mandates so I, I think people have got to start thinking about that. And if you want change, that's what, that's what you've got to do. Um, and I think the moment that politicians realise that, they, are, that they, they will be held accountable for their decisions, then, 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 then only then will have a chance of changing. Now, everyone else in, in between who aren't politicians, they're going, to do, they're going to try and do their stuff as well, and we've got to get to those people as well. But 
but this, but but you want to change anything, you got to get some politicians, and you basically got to put it to them. You know, if you don't if you don't stand this way on the issue that I'm interested in, I'm not voting for you. You're not getting my vote. You're not going to get you're not going to get elected or re-elected if you don't come out strongly against this. You you could be in favour of all the things I'm personally in favour of, whatever your political affiliation was. This has nothing to do with party political affiliations. If you, if you if you're in favour of you know pro-life, pro-abortion, anti-life, anti-abortion, sure. you know uh, medical care, universal college tuition, uh, minimum yeah. wage, all the, you know all those things. All you know we, we we have we we shouldn't have we we should have very strong debates about all those important issues. And people have gun control. People have all these important things to talk about. Absolutely, are extremely important issues, but. They pale into insignificance, right? If if the fundamental foundation of democracy is is not there, and and I think the fact that you know there's the censorship that we're seeing as a scientist, and 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 um, and just the the, the the unwillingness to hear the other side, and and the fact that, that this policy, this pandemic policy, is not working. You know, we have over nine hundred thousand deaths now. According to the World uh, Worldometer and the CDC, nine hundred thousand deaths. We were up to s- roughly three hundred thousand deaths roughly a year ago when the vaccination started. So, so all you have to do is ask yourself. You don't have to understand very much science to say, well, wait a minute. We have three hundred thousand deaths in you know, most of twenty twenty or nine months of twenty twenty. You know, before the vaccine vaccine started, we've had six hundred thousand deaths approximately since then. Okay, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? Okay, that's all you have to ask yourself. You don't have to know molecular biology. You don't have to be, a, you know, a rocket scientist. That's what we have to ask yourself. We've got, we've got lockdowns. We've got a device, divided society. And so the question that I think everyone should be asking their representatives is, what did you do to reduce division in the society, to make a harmonious society, a democratic society, where people can have different opinions, that's fine, but they respect the other person's opinion, and we have free and proper political debates. We elect our, our politicians, you know, accordingly, and and we respect people's religious, um, you know, uh, beliefs and other kinds of beliefs, even if I don't practice them those particular ones myself. So, so, so I think I think that's what we've got to turn towards. We've got to focus on that issue. Not whether we like this vaccine or whether we like this drug or or whether we like the head of the NIH or or I, I don't I try not to talk about individual people by name because I don't think there's an, any one individual person that's responsible for this. It, it, it's collectively we're we're responsible. So stop talking about this individual person. Oh, he did it. She did it. Yeah, they they, they may have some responsibility, but they're 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 not acting alone. So, so that, that's what that's what we have to do. So, um, again, message to crystallise it to a very simple message is is everyone's going to do their thing that they can do within their sphere of influence. But we are clearly in a big mess, not just a scientific mess, but now we're in a political mess, a societal mess, um, where there's complete division. We've got we've got other other the othering of people, as you mentioned, um, and 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 uh, that 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 is never good. So um, th- that, that's what we've got to look towards. And, and you don't have to involve little green men or little conspiracies. It's just that it's happened and we've got to get ourselves out of it. 
so <clears throat> I like your question. I like you cutting through my bullshit saying, now what? Right. We can because we can sit here and talk about climate change, yeah, climate what? change, now climate what? change. All right. So, so I was I was on a I was on a uh, like a, what do you call it? A Zoom, uh, a Zoom call last week. Two, what was it? Last week, I think. <clears throat> and um, it was the day after the uh, Senator Johnson's yeah. uh, event. You know, it was it, you know, it's very cool. You know, you're in the Senate building, not you know, you you know, you've got a picture taken with all these doctors with against the the, the, the the rotunda. You know, it's like wow, this is I'm 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 such an important guy. Yeah. You know, you, you know. Now, you know you're not an, you're not you're not an important guy. Just just knock yourself down here, okay? And and anyway, so I was on this uh, Zoom uh, thing. You know, there's all these different little Zoom groups that are meeting. You know, every week, every month on on COVID related topics. There's an immense, incredible amount of collaboration that's going on. You know, I'm talking to people all over the world, and we get things done, and we're doing science at the speed of at the speed of Zoom. Science at the speed of Zoom. That's what's going on. But anyway, this particular, I was supposed I was supposed to be the speaker that on the last Tuesday. I was had been scheduled a long time earlier, and I was supposed to talk about something or other. Um, but because I was going to be in Washington D.C., uh, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to make it, whatever. So I said, like, listen, let me do it another time. Get someone else to do it. So fine, they got someone else to do it. But it turned out that I jumped. I was able to jump on the on the meeting. So the person was a was a politician, someone who'd been in politics, not a scientist, not a medical doctor, anything like that. But he, And he was talking about what you have to do. How does politics work? And people confuse access with, with political power. People think just because they got a picture with the governor or they shake hands with the uh, whoever or they, or they go to a Senate testimony uh, meeting or, or they're on a podcast, you know, <laughs> you know whatever, whatever it is. That's political power. It's certainly important, but that's not political power. That's that's just sort of access. You might get a few minutes with the senator or with the with the governor or with the presidential candidate or whoever it is. See, political power is the following. This person said is the following. First of all, when you when you narrow down, you know, you got so many Democrats, so many Republicans. You got so so, so almost half of the people have already decided what they're going to vote anyway, whichever way it is. So when you when you narrow it down, there's only three percent of the population that you have to get to. That's it. Did you know that? There's only three percent of the population. If you can get to the three percent sort of undecided people, right, that swings a whole election yeah. on any issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you're not trying to convince the Democrats to become Republicans no, or Republicans to become Democrats. Little, yeah, you just need that little sliver. It's just that little bit in the middle. And it's and it's three apparently it's three percent. I, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've been told. Sure. And, and, and he said, "What you have to do is you have to you have to keep you have to define your issue, right, very clearly, right, and make it really simple. Like you don't want to make it oh yeah, let's uh, let's let's prevent this foreign government that's collaborating with this multi bazillionaire to try and uh, some have some nefarious scheme to do something something something. Okay, that's that's not your issue. Okay, I mean, aside from whether it's even you know whatever, but." That's not your issue. The issue is, let's say, for example, it is we are we are being mandated to take experimental uh, gene therapy products without full informed consent, without full knowledge, and without full proper testing of the product. Okay, that violates lots of lots of moral and legal things, in my opinion. Okay, so you crystallise it that one issue. And then you go after you, you go to your politicians, your candidates. You say which way you're going to vote, 
And if you don't vote this way, I'm not voting for you. I don't care if I was a Democrat, you're a Democrat, or I was a Republican, you're a Republican. Doesn't matter. This is this is so important. You have to cross party lines. Get rid of your whatever you were. Okay. If you want to be a Republican, Democrat, fine, great. But 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 this this is so important. This crosses all party lines, and you need to go to those politicians. And he, and he said he said that's it. You got to, he, he said basically you got to threaten. I mean that not yeah. not physically. You're not going sure. to threaten them physically. Clearly, but. You, 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 the, the thing that a politician runs on is, are they going to get the votes or not? So you threaten that I'm not going to vote for you. That's it. That's your weapon. That's it. And you, you know, you form your, you know, your groups, and you, 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 you constantly, you, you, co- you focus on that particular issue, and you get it done. So I asked this uh, this gentleman who gives classes in this, you know, how to how to do politics, and he gives it to, I think he happens to be a Republican, but he gives it to any. Uh, Audience, you know how to how to campaign effectively for your issue, and um, and I said, do you see any evidence, right, in any of the stuff that's going on that that, that someone has really thought of a concerted plan to actually get this done? Um, on either side of the story, he said no. I said there was a march in Washington yesterday, big march. Now, maybe there is, maybe there's stuff going on that I don't know about. I'm not fully, I'm certainly not connected with all the people that are doing it. So I might be completely wrong about this. But but I asked the guy, in your estimation, you what you've seen, do you see any real evidence that there's a real concerted effort to do the steps that you think need to be taken? He said no. So um so yeah, yeah, this is a whole new area for me. So I'm not I I, I feel that I'm probably not the person to do that. I just I I I'm the person to do the science and and do the analysis and and put all the information in front of people. That's what I know I can do fairly well. I hope a little bit better than most, but yeah, that's what I can do. But someone's that's what people are going to do, and collectively we'll get it done. So, <clears throat> so it's what do we do instead of banging cans about climate change? It's like, are you picking up the trash at your local park, and are you starting to recycle and trying to use electricity? To well, you're going to influence the other people in your neighborhood, yes. in your in your in your you know communities, in your religious uh, you know uh, institutions, and so on. Whatever your your sphere of influence is, your churches, your synagogues, your whatever you on. If you're not religious, your whatever groups you're in, your chess club, your electronics club, whatever, your bike club. But an even smaller influence than that is yourself. First, you have to start. Yeah, you've got to start with yourself. You've got to be clear on on what you are and what you need to be doing. You you can't do anything unless you define the the problem and define what your potential role is. And so we look at what your expertise is, and your expertise is taking the science, the analytics, and crystallizing it to that tiny sentence so that right people can go and trying go. to. I'm not how successful I am. Is another that, question, but. That probably better than we're all trying. You're probably doing it better than most at what you do, right? So we take that. Now let's go back to what you said about Democrat. Uh, by, by the way, I just want you to know, you know that just I'll give you just so you know how you talk about taking your eleven thousand word uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. medical school uh, thing. And getting down to fifteen hundred words, fifteen hundred words—that's a wow, that's a luxury. Fifteen hundred words. So, so I've had to do a lot of that recently, and I'll give you—I'll give you like three very quick examples. First of all, when FDA and CDC have these these meetings, there's there's a public comment um, period that you can apply to to speak, and so you get three minutes. So you've got three minutes to say whatever you want in three minutes. I mean, you've got to be polite, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But 
So, so you've really got to focus on how you how you how you're going to get message down into three minutes. So that that really crystallizes that forces you to do some stuff. And, and now I've got developed a sort of a a methodology where I where where I where I'm able to do that, or at least attempt to. That's number one. Now, number two, a couple of months ago, I was um, invited to participate in a group that um, went to the Florida legislature and speak in front of the, well, the different committees that were considering ma- issues to do with the mandates. And and and, and I was told prior to the uh, going to Florida, okay, you're going to be speaking for six or seven minutes and you can bring slides, PowerPoint slides. Okay, so I'm preparing my slides, I'm getting all ready. I get to the I get to the hotel the night before I'm, I'm like making it a bit sharper, a bit crisper, getting the order right, and I get to the the Florida uh, you know uh, Capitol building, and and uh, the guy who's sort of leading the leading the pack, uh, Doctor Littell, said, uh, "Well, actually, um, you're only going to get five minutes and no slides." Okay, well that changes. I got to change the way I, I have to say things. So it's different when you have slides or not. And then we get into the into like the the Senate hearing room, you know, and and the uh, and the and the, and the chairman of the chairman of things says, "Well, we've got so many people who want to speak that uh, you're only going to get three minutes." So I'm like scratching and worrying, you know, words out trying to get it to three minutes. And then and then he, then the meeting is going on. He said, "Well, actually, we got more people who want to speak. So whoever's going to speak is only allowed to speak for two minutes." This is a true story. So I thought, oh, how am I? I, I, I'm scrambling. You have to do it like right there and then. And then, I, so after I got everything down to two minutes, you know, I'm counting the words. He then says, "Oh, actually, I'm very sorry to tell people, you've got one minute. You've got one minute. This is a true story. This really happened. And you, got, I'm scrambling like right there and then in, in the in this uh, Senate Florida Senate thing, and and I'm scratching all the things up my computer and trying to, you know, move this word around. <clears throat> so I, I stood up and I said, <laughs> I said." Well, thank you for uh, inviting me, asking me to speak, or allowing me to speak. I had ten minutes and uh, and thirty slides. I'm going to get it all in one minute. <laughs> I think I was about one minute and twenty seconds. He let he let me go a little bit. So 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 if you have to get it down to one minute, you you, you can do it. So uh, and and then with the Senate, uh, this Senator Johnson's meeting, I had three different drafts of of, of what I had to say. Well, first draft was saying it in a certain way. And I spent hours on that, and I knew I had to have about five, five or six hundred words. And then, and then we had different, uh, you know, sort of preparatory uh, discussions. Uh, we really, we really need to emphasize this and not emphasize that, and blah blah blah. Okay, so I, I rewrote the whole thing again. That was another few hours. And then, and then I, a couple of days before, uh, well, actually, you know, we really need to. Uh, Say this and this and this way. So I, I so so I got to the hotel on the Sunday night. I was six hours up until like one in the morning, rewriting the whole thing again, three and a half minutes. So so to write something for three minutes is 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 very hard. But that's that. But you got to crystallize it, get it down. So go and, go and watch my thing and, and and see if it was worth it. And what I said was, I, I decided to put it in very. Um, I hope it worked. I don't know if it did, but. Um, you know, everyone, I thought everyone's going to stand up and give the science and molecular biology and that sort of thing. So I thought, well, let me do it a different way. And what happened is a friend of mine from Brazil, Felipe Rafael, who's got a very good blog, writes very nicely. He called me a couple of weeks ago and he said, you've got to see this movie. 
um, Don't Look Up. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? No, you know I've heard movie? of it. No, I've heard of it. You heard about it, right? So he said, "You ever seen this movie?" I said, "What? Well, I don't have time to. Uh, I don't have time to uh, take a shower. You know, go, go, go see a movie. He said, go, go, go." So I looked at the trailer, and I found out what the movie was about. You know, and for the benefit anyone who's watching, is about Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and they're they, they're these they are astronomers, and they and they discover there's this uh, asteroid that's going to head towards Earth, and and it's going to it's going to cause major damage, and the whole planet is going to be extinct. It's going to become extinct, and so they're trying to tell everyone about this and take precautions and whatever. But it doesn't happen. So they're being marginalised. They're being censored. They're being uh, you know all this stuff othered. So I said so I so I said to my friend, I said I don't I don't need to watch the movie. I've been in this movie yeah. for the last two years. Yeah. It's so 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 I so I so I began the, the talk like that. And then sort of try to make it. I'm not 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 got a very good movie voice, but you know, sort of like a, a trailer. You know, see this movie and see how they did this and see how they did it, and you know, try to make it like a movie movie thing. So 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 I, I I hope it was a bit more, a bit less scientific, a bit more in the sort of common language of people. Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. You you can look at it and decide. But but you have to you have to crystallize the message. That's it. So if we look at you know what can we do you know now what right well i can and i, th- I agree with you 100 percent. we can all have our our pet issues gun control pro-choice pro-life medicare for all free college you know whatever social programs military none of those really matter when there are these core issues like are we about to divide society in half are we about to resegregate and because of that i think you see a lot of people dropping the D or the R and they're saying, I'm going to go for the guy that is against the mandates. And so to answer your question earlier about now, what they're dropping the D on the R, what, what do you mean? Democrat Republican next to the name. Oh, right, right, right. So I look at like, well, what can I do? Well, I've, I've interviewed Joe Kent, former special forces who's running for Congress out of Washington state and interviewed uh, who's fighting against the mandates. I had him on here with Dr. Malone. I've had on Mike Collins who's running for Congress out of the state of Georgia He's a second-generation trucker, and he is now going to, if he wins, go up and push against the vaccine mandates for the trucking industry at the borders. I've had on Mike Durant. Mike Durant's running for Senate out of the state of Alabama. He is a military veteran. The movie Black Hawk Down is about him. He is the helicopter pilot. When he came back to the U.S. in 93 after the whole thing in Mogadishu, he started his own defense contracting company called Pinnacle Solutions. He's grown it very successfully. It is a defense contractor, a preferred client of the United States government, specifically the armed forces. He is running because he is seeing how the mandates are affecting his own company and thus the readiness of the U.S. military. So we have these different people running for Congress, running for Senate, all against the mandates. Now, what can I do for them? I'm not Joe Rogan. I can't do a whole lot. None of them are doctors. So what they can do and what they can use is doing interviews with doctors so that at least they can say, hey, I'm not a doctor, but when I sat down with, so to answer your question, what now what? Well, that's what I've done. I've done an episode with Kent oh. Malone. That's what I've done yesterday with Collins and Dr. Hodkinson. That's what I did two weeks ago with, doc, uh, with uh, Durant and Dr. McCullough. I do what I can do where I go, let's do a 15-minute or two-hour, whatever, and so when they are out on the, you know, the, the party trail or the campaign trail and someone says, 
Mr. Ken, you know, you're a Green Beret, that's Admiral, but you're not a physician. He can say, no, I'm not. But when I sat down with Dr. Malone for an hour, and you can pull it up, who has nine patents relating to the mRNA. Mr. Collins, you're a second generation trucker. What do you know about this? Not a whole lot. When I sat down with uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, a pathologist, Mr. Durant, you're a military veteran. Everyone knows about you. What can you say about this? Not a whole lot. But when I sat down with Dr. Peter McCullough, the most published cardiorenal physician in world history, you can do these little things. So asking, you know, what now, that's what I can do in my little sphere of influence. So if you're asking what you can do, any future people I have on here, if you'd be willing to sit down with any of them, I can do that for you. So to answer your question, it's not all hyperbole. We got to fight. I'm doing what I can. It's minuscule, but I'm doing what I can. Make make a big, uh, make a big, make a big difference. Sure. Yeah. So I can absolutely reach out to them and be like, Hey, would you know, would you like to talk to this guy who used to work for J and J who's, you know, spoke during the testimonies. I can do that. So, yeah, that's my answer for what now what. But um, with that, I will absolutely put that in motion if that's something you're interested in doing. Um, they they're all I don't know where you lean, and it doesn't matter where I lean. They're all running Republican, but the only reason I bring that up is because I think we agree it doesn't matter if it's D or R right now. Yeah, but if it was a Democrat saying the same exactly. thing, I would be fine. And if I, I could have fine. a Democrat on here who's doing again, who's running anti uh, mandates, I'd have him on here immediately. That's so yeah, I can, I can, I can. We can practice what we preach. It's not a whole lot. It's not all rambling on a podcast. But there are baby steps you can take. So that's something I can start doing. For now, though, I say we wrap this episode up, and I would love to have you on again sometime, Mister Wiseman, Doctor Wiseman. Excuse me, Doctor Wiseman. Thank you, sir. Closing Thank thoughts. you. What an interesting conversation. I had no idea it was going to take this. No one ever does. This avenue. I, I thought I was going to be talking uh, P-values and confidence intervals. and uh, That's how I get you. And, and, and nucleosides and DNA and uh, not a word. So that's, just that's how I get you. I come in, I, rattle, I rip down all the curtains and I light it on fire. No one knows what's happening. And then we get to the end and it wasn't that bad. So, Dr. Wiseman. I will put that in motion. I will email all those guys. I'll do it today. I'll make a note of it right now. Um, But aside from that, man, thank you very much for coming on here. Thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. I will send you you this when it's up, and um, thank you again, man. God bless. Thank you so much. Well, well, that was really great. So (laughs) when when, when do you expect to... uh... You're gonna, you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna chop it out a bit, or you're, you're just gonna play no, it as not, it is. Right? It was being down an hour and a half, I think. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna upload it. No, I just throw it up. Unless you want something now. No, no, it was fine. I mean, you know. So what fine. I'm doing? No, I just upload it raw, for better or worse. Like good. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, send me an email with a with a link, and um, and let's see what we. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got all these people, uh, the Parisians of the world, and. Uh, you know, got some interesting ideas and things that I, I'm not exposed to normally. So, uh, yeah, let's see where it goes. With let's, let's see where we go. Let's see where it goes. They all take their different turns. Okay, okay. nice to meet you. You as well, sir. Dr. David Weissman, God bless you, sir. God bless America. Everybody, do the right thing and do what you know that you won't regret one day. With that, that's it. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye. God bless. Stopped. God bless America. Take care.